show? The government. That's right, folks. The same government who ruined our health care and bankrupted our military. Look at these people. Most of them don't even have guns. We could be facing a full-scale invasion, and our president is just willing to sit back and let them walk... Hey, Lieutenant Whitford, you watching something there on the laptop? Oh, Private Johnson, yeah. You know, I was thinking, you know we got these aliens outside? Yeah, sure. Big and unimaginably powerful. Yeah, I mean, who knows what they're capable of? <laughs> who knows what they're capable of? Yeah. But who's in charge of deciding what we're doing with the aliens right now? Uh, the government. Same government that bankrupted our health care. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, defunded the military, something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. I've read that. So here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Shot across the bow. You and me. Uh-huh. Get in there. Light a bomb off. Whoa. Get out. Okay. Let the bomb explode. Uh-huh. Kill the aliens. Hmm. Okay, but they're at 12 different sites, so... Right. Well, we're going to kill the ones here, these. Only the ones here? Show of force. Let Show of everyone force. know that we can kill but then, these aliens. And I don't want to be a naysayer here, mm-hmm. but I'm a party pooper. But yeah, well, no one likes a naysayer. Nobody likes a party pooper, but negative Nancy, but... If we blow up just this one, don't you think the 11 other really highly intelligent alien spacecrafts will get revenge? Don't don't you fear that they'll come after us? Or I think if they see the power of America, mm-hmm. it's going to freak them out, and they're just going to leave, leave and go back. Yeah, you convince me. That's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. So let's do it. You want to do it tomorrow, or when do you want to yeah, do it? Yeah, I think tomorrow would be great. Tomorrow. I mean, we have a bunch of bombs. We're the army. Yeah, yeah, and assault rifles, so we can shoot, you know, if they come after us, we can yeah. try and so we'll defend ourselves. Run up there. Yep. Blow it up. Yep. Show of force. Show of force. Get America. them out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's protect this country. Get the aliens out. Right. Okay. I love it. Great. I'm glad you're on board. No problem. I, I was worried that this was a really dumb idea. No, but no. But your confidence makes I think me it's think good. that this is definitely the move we should I take. I think it is the move. I think it's going to work. And uh, okay. I was just going to go get a burrito or something if you want to come. Oh, that sounds really good. Okay. Let's do that. Yep. Let's go. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Bad, 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 bad Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bad Signs. I'm your host, Ethan Edinburgh, and today we are talking about a fantastic film called Arrival. Every now and then, the films we do are a little more, let's just say, annoying. But this film, I felt, was absolutely fantastic, and I have two absolutely fantastic guests. First, uh, you know him from the Jeremiah Wonders podcast. It's Jeremiah Watkins. Hello. And I'm a scientist. And he's an expert in saxophone? <laughs> yeah, I'm a saxophone scientist. Cool. Yeah, dude. So we've never had that on the show before. I know. That's, that's why I'm happy to be here. <laughs> happy to have you. And of course, you know her from her book, Secrecy, Literacy, and Perfectibility in Indigenous New Mexico. It's Dr. Aaron Devonport. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, so you're, you're uh, I, I, I want to say this right. It says here that you specialize in linguistic and sociocultural anthropology. You're interested in technologies of language circulation, secrecy, and invisibility. The in in parentheses. I want to ask you about that. Uh, in indigenous. How do you say this word? Indigeneity. Indigeneity. Indigeneity and sovereignty. Sovereignty. Whistleblowing and leaks and critical language documentation. 
That is all correct, but boy, I really need to work on streamlining that. <laughs> no, um, I need I, to work on saying. Can I just say I'm instantly intimidated? Please, please tell me. I'm, I'm intimidated by your saxophone problems. Oh, all right. But I didn't bring my sax with me, so there's no just, tangible way. Like, you have you. your knowledge. That it's you're all in her brain. Spewing. Yeah, it's all right here we in front of me. See. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, yeah, a little bit of a, a long-winded uh, explanation of all the things you're into, but maybe you could take me through some of them, because I don't really understand it all so what about what my, my main point where I'm zooming in here is secrecy and invisibility yeah so I'm a linguistic anthropologist which is we'll get to this I'm sure a little different than the linguist in the movie so we're really interested in language and its relationship to culture so how people actually use language like the idea that you can't study it outside of culture interaction the secrecy part um, <laughs> I work with a group of an indigenous group uh, two in New Mexico and one in Texas, all are speakers uh, of this language called, well, I'm actually not going to say the name of the language because oh. in my, I know, so mysterious, <laughs> mysterious right? Yeah. Um, secret language. Secret language. <laughs> well, it kind of is. So these oh. are uh, folks who are um, losing their language to English and Spanish uh, increasingly, like a lot of other indigenous people worldwide. Mm. And they're trying to reintroduce it uh, by using literacy for the first time. So it was an oral only language and they're very concerned about it leaking out to non-tribal members or even within the community. So I use that as a way to understand why we keep secrets. Wow. What that does socially. So why wouldn't it be good to get the word out and like spread the language, keep the language alive? Yeah, good question. I mean, they very much want to keep it alive, but their language is very tied to their uh, religion and to their political system. So, for instance, if you know, let's say, a healing ceremony or a particular word or a particular song that, um, you know, is just for your clan Mm -hmm. and someone else hears it, then it could, the idea is it could upset the whole balance of the political and religious system. Mm -hmm. So, kind of like, you know, when you read about other secret societies, like the Masons Uh or, you know, any number of um, groups that really their power comes from holding on to particular kinds of knowledge. Got you. Very cool. You have any secrets, Jeremiah? I've, I've got so many secrets. Lay Now's your chance. Uh, one of my secrets uh, was... It's just us here, man. Uh, one of my secrets uh, is uh, of, has to do with today is uh, I showered and uh, put time like time into like getting ready for this because I thought it was on video. And then yesterday I did a podcast. That's that, on me. You should have told you. I know. Then yesterday I did a podcast where I did not get ready at all and I was a schlub and that was on video. So I'm zero for zero right now. Well, Wait, what's that podcast so we can see you looking like a schlub? Uh, Sorry, Dad podcast. Ryan Dunes podcast. Yeah. Well, Well, uh, we'll take a picture so people can still see how pretty you are. Yeah, Jeremiah looks fantastic today. I wore my white jean jacket. I came in with white jean jacket confidence (laughs) to a a podcast at 10 a.m. Yeah, that's a level of confidence. It's pretty strong. It's pretty strong. (laughs) I'm glad that you did. It's giving us confidence, I can tell. Uh, I put on cologne for you listeners out there. (laughs) I usually don't do that for podcasts, but I did for Ethan. I love Ethan. Oh, I love you too, Jeremiah. And listeners, sniff it up. Sniff it up, that cologne he's got. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about this film for a second. Did you guys see it in theaters? What did you think of the film? What were your first impressions? I saw it originally a couple years ago uh, 
as a screener, like oh. a like a like a SAG screener that got sent to me in the mail. Like, that means I mean, he's like, a he, that means he's important in the industry, guys. Ooh, hello, name yeah. drop. And then <laughs> I I scrubbed through it uh, for about half an hour on Hulu last night to just catch up on it and oh, okay. be like, okay, I remember like the different beats and stuff like that because yeah. I don't want to be like, yeah, I saw it two years ago, and then you start <laughs> saying stuff, and I'm like, oh, I don't remember this movie. There's aliens all. in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Uh, so I saw it at home and uh, on my TV and it was I really enjoyed it whenever I watch it it was one of those things where you know by the end of the movie where you know the are we doing spoilers on this yeah 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 if you haven't seen the movie first of all you should definitely stop this and go watch it right now Uh, sometimes I will say don't worry about it it doesn't matter you know the movie's great anyways we're gonna spoil the plot if you haven't seen it it's fine but in this particular case I really do think if you haven't seen the movie I don't want to ruin it for you because it's so good yeah so make sure you watch it first I can't stand telling people not to listen to the podcast but I would stop here watch the film come back and then Jeremiah is going to spoil it right now. Yeah. So <laughs> whenever the big reveal at the end, about basically, and I'll about time. Uh, that's still not s- spoiling too much. That, <laughs> you can spoil. You can spoil. Yeah. Let's no, see. no. <laughs> guys, he's keeping secrets. I'm keeping secrets. She yep. sees the future, guys. <laughs> okay, that's what's up. Uh, but I got. It was that moment for me where I was like, "Oh, this is so cool!" Like, and that made me start thinking, like, "Is this like a pot?" Like. You, whenever you see movies like this, it makes you question, like, is stuff like this possible? Which is always, like, kind of an exciting feeling. Right. Like, whenever she's talking to the aliens and they're kind of figuring out the language and, like, it gets to that point in the movie where she is starting to understand where so well that it's showing subtitles on the screen for us. That's, like, like for me, that was, like, a breakthrough moment. I'm like... Oh, this is it! Like this. What? If, what if this could happen? Like, what? If, what if there are aliens out there that we could get to a point where we're communicating, where we have their language down, yeah, and they have our language down, and it's this open conversation. It was just kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Um, I really liked it. I saw it in the theater. I mean, so many, so many of my friends and colleagues had told me, like, "Have you seen Arrival?" And you know, this is something you podcast listeners can't see, but I have red hair, so it was the you know the moment for us <laughs> redheaded linguists. I mean. <laughs> It, it was very exciting. This is my face. Exactly, I know, right? Just that right the clouds yeah, were parting, right. the sunbeams coming in. Yeah, it was very exciting. So I saw it in the theater, and I really liked it. I mean, of course, there's a few um, details that I would love to pull apart with you guys that I oh. take issue with. I know. Yeah. But overall, I thought they did a great job, and I'm with you. Like, it's such a provocative um, idea that the language that we speak or understand really can have implications uh, in the way that we see the world, and in this case, the way we experience the world. Yeah. yeah. I really liked it. I rewatched it last night, too, so same reason. I was, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I watched it yesterday as well. Loved the film. Thought it was great. Um, and before we get into your uh, pet peeves uh, oh, with it, which I, I know <laughs> I want to hear them very badly, I do want to, and I usually don't talk about this stuff, but this picture was nominated for eight Academy Awards, none of which were for Amy Adams. Amy Adams, for some reason, was like snubbed and not nominated for an Oscar for her performance, which I thought was awesome. She's so good in this movie. And it also reminded me of another snub, uh, which you might know about. You were nominated for Outstanding Teacher of the Year (laughs) at the University of New Mexico in 2015 and did not win. What in the fuck? You know, what in the fuck indeed? Um, I can give you some contact information for, you know, people who are probably involved in making that poor decision. Yeah, I would like that. I might have to compose. 
compose myself on air. You, you seem bringing, very composed. You're bringing up this, you know, terrible tragedy in my past. Yeah, so I might really get a little sorry. misty here. But and speaking of tragedies, we've got Jeremiah Watkins' comedy career here. And <laughs> <laughs> your entire career is a snub, Jeremiah. Okay, how do you now, feel about that? How do you feel about that? You have not gotten the last few jobs that you wanted, Jeremiah. Now let's talk about that. Where are you at mentally with this? I really like that segue, by the way. Oh, segues with Ethan. Hey, that's my new show. Actually, yeah. it's just segues. We just never actually segway. get to the meat of anything. I like that. <laughs> really solid. Though. Um, if you have a chance to uh, to get Aaron, by the way, uh, uh, Miss Devonport, Mrs. Devonport, how do they Ms. call you? Like uh, students? They, mostly they call me Aaron. I mean, oh, we're really? Pretty, we're pretty cool laid back. Teenage. Oh, I know, right? Uh, progressive. But, <laughs> yeah. I usually tell them whatever they're comfortable with. Some students okay. want to say Professor Devonport. Well, yeah. If you can get her, then great. She's got a four point nine on Rate My Professor. Oh, really? So uh, that's pretty close to perfect. It's probably just one schmuck who uh, was having a bad day. Oh, I know who it was. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So shout out to them. (laughs) Wake up. Um, So, yeah, let's get to, like, what, what... was wrong. I have a, I have a couple ideas, like guesses, mm-hmm. but but just lay it on us. There's there's one part I'll, I'll just say where he comes in and plays her a like a recording, and he's like, "Hey, translate this." It's like towards the beginning, Forrest Whitaker comes in and tells her like, "What does this mean?" And she's like, "Well, I can't possibly tell you." And so I thought maybe that's like a linguistic uh, complaint. Yeah, that was. I mean, really, he's expecting incredible things from her. The <laughs> idea that she's a translation expert, I was like, wow, I want to be that. You know, yeah. I don't know if anyone can just, you know, given a recording. Uh, certainly no one. I know certainly not me. Um, usually you would call in someone who was a specialist on a particular language, right? Mm-hmm. And I think he would have called in like a whole fleet of linguists. I mean, <laughs> everyone go. I love the idea that there's only one person like she's going to save the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, it, you know, she does a great job with that. But there is uh, this idea that one person, she's this sort of like unicorn who mm-hmm. can, you know, <laughs> easily uh, apprehend. And later in the movie where she's uh, speaking Mandarin, too. I mean, generally right. linguists will... Um, focus on one or two languages. Oh, okay. I mean, some do comparative work, but that doesn't necessarily mean they can speak Speak a ton languages. of languages. So how many languages do you speak? Oh, you see, this is very disappointing. Um, <laughs> well, or it's supported by English, your English. I'm pretty good at Spanish. And um, the language that I work on that I refer to as Kewa in uh, my um Is that the secret work. language? That's a secret language. But it's a Kiowa Tanoan language. Kiowa so there's Tanoan the language, language family. Big spoiler, right? Whoa. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty good in that language. I'm okay. better at writing it than speaking it. And are you jealous of uh, Jessica Kuhn, the lady that this is based on? Because yeah. that's pretty sweet. Like, they, they based it on this girl who's a linguist. They based Amy Adams' character on her. And so she got to, like, have lunch with Amy Adams and, like, talk to her about it and, I don't know, all this kind of stuff. So unfair. So unfair. Yeah. yeah I another snub. Another snub. <laughs> you know, can we please keep track here? Yeah. Um, yeah, I read up on her and her training. Um, she's very well trained. Trained and her work looks really interesting. She does a lot of stuff on ergativity, which is this super nerdy um, phenomenon in language that I'm not going to talk about. Oh. Um, uh, well, can just you because summarize for us. It sounds cool. Oh, ergativity. Um, it's um, languages of the world differ in the way that they mark subjects and objects. Oh. So um, the different grammatical roles. Okay. And linguists really uh, love to divide up languages according to oh, you know, things like their grammatical differences, their sound differences. So gotcha. she works on really interesting stuff and has done a lot of comparative work. She also apparently has done field work, and oh. that is something that I like about this film a lot because it foregrounds actually working with speakers. Yeah. Um, in this case, the heptapods, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're there with them. Um, she does come from a slightly different uh, training than I do in that she 
is definitely aligning herself, at least in what I read, with uh, Chomskyan linguists, so with Noam Chomsky. Um, and his ideas about language are different than how I was trained. Oh. So more of a focus on uh, what is it about us that we're born with that um, allows us to speak? And the Chomskyans sort of come down on more of a formalist view that uh, we're all born with this innate ability, whereas folks like me, linguistic anthropologists, sometimes characterized as like, oh, you guys are crazy hippies over there. You're not really being scientists. As I mentioned before, we're very concerned with um, the relationship between language and culture. So we think that language really can't happen or we can't understand it outside of understanding society. Got you. Okay. They created a logogram Bible, which included over 100 different completely operative logograms, 71 of which were actually featured in the movie. So I wanted to just ask your view on that. Did that seem uh, cool, legitimate? Was that interesting? Yeah, it was very interesting. And I always appreciate when a movie goes the extra mile. I mean, for instance, The Revenant. Like, I have a friend who worked on that movie as a vocal coach. They really, you know, researched the Arikara and the Encato and went for it. And the same thing here. I mean, almost like Klingon or, you know, you read about Game of Thrones. They did a lot uh, to, I think, create a Dothraki language and worked with linguists. So, yeah, this is definitely the way some languages would work, where you have a particular sound, I mean, sorry, a particular visual image for one concept. So yeah, yeah, that's how you would go about it. They were talking about in the movie, like, you would have to know the entire thing first and then like write with your left hand and right hand at the same time. I, I don't know. It yeah, was I don't know about that. Okay. Um, that was, I think, a missed opportunity to explain mm-hmm. where they were trying to go there. How would you explain it? Oh, my God. Well, (laughs) Write that part of the script right now. (laughs) uh, Go. I don't know. I mean, one thing that I think, instead of answering that, uh, I think the missed opportunity, yeah, divert, uh, is that they didn't get into, and I understand why it can be quite um, complex, but the different ways that alphabets can work. So if you think about the English alphabet, we have, I mean, even though it's kind of a crappy, imperfect alphabet with things like silent L and all sorts of weird things, Mm -hmm. generally the idea is that you have one symbol for one sound and then we get to combine them. But there are other ways of doing alphabets. So you can have like this alphabet where there's one concept for one image. You can also have an alphabet that is... um, syllable-based, you know, like Cherokee is like that. So you can have a particular image or symbol that stands for a syllable mm-hmm. in the language. And so that was a missed opportunity. Gotcha. The whole going from both directions at once, I think, was an attempt to tie in with the way time was depicted. Right. Yes, that makes but sense. I, I would not know how to. Okay. Yeah. That was a lot <laughs> for me to that. take in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are there, like, oh, well, since we're talking about missed opportunities, was there, mm-hmm. was there other things in the film that you were like, oh, this, not cool with me? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have that strong a feeling. The whole, so it's built around, the film is built around the Sapir Wharf hypothesis. And poor Amy Adams, she was told to say it's the Sapir Wharf hypothesis, which, oh. you know, no disrespect. Like, that's most of graduate school as you learn how to pronounce these folks' names correctly. So uh, the Sapir Wharf hypothesis is the idea that, and she just. Take that, Amy I Adams. Know. Well, I really don't. I this. thought she was wonderful. This method actor. No. would have got an Oscar if you said I... you met with the wrong lady. You you hear that, Amy? <laughs> oh, my God, no. I'm sure, you know, it was direction. <laughs> the Oscar committee is like, if she would have pronounced I it correctly, know. she would have got that Oscar. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Agreed, agreed. That's how much influence we have, yeah. you know, uh, as linguists. Uh, but the Superior Wharf Hypothesis, which she very, you know, the writers very uh, correctly define in the movie, which is the idea that the language that we speak uh, fluently, or the languages, 
the grammar, the structure of that language uh, has the potential, and I'm underlining that, can you hear the italics, the potential to affect um, our habitual thought and our habitual action. So they say that in the movie, but then there's much more of a what people have called a strong reading of the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, which is we're like, we're completely influenced by the grammar that we speak. We're like uh-huh. kind of automatons, you know, I can't get out of my English grammar. I must, you know, look at the world this way. And so the way the movie plays out is definitely that humans are determined, you know, we're determined to act in particular ways because of the language we speak. Uh-huh. And when they learn, or as a species, you get the feeling humans learn this language and then they're able to see time differently experience time. Yeah, it, that's a really interesting hypothesis. I had it, uh, I, I did some basic research on mm-hmm. it, but it was still tough to comprehend because how, like, I understand the dreaming thing where it's like, oh, okay, if mm-hmm. I go live in France and I'm speaking French for a year or two, maybe I'll start dreaming in French, but how it affects my actions or behaviors, I'm not, I, I don't really see how that works. Yeah, it's really complex. So in his writing about this, and it's really interesting, Benjamin Lee Wharf and also Edward Sapir, these are folks who are working the early part of the 20th century and the mid part of the 20th century, mostly with data from American Indian languages, which is one reason I'm so interested in it. Hmm. Um, But anyway, uh, Wharf especially started noticing different ways that people were conceiving of time in one article, right? And so he compared uh, Hopi, speakers of Hopi with speakers of what he calls SAE, Standard Average European. So this is just a way <laughs> I know. Standard Average European. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It sounds mediocre. so boring. Uh, Hopi the gets all the glitz. SWM, straight white male. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not unlike that. Um, in that it allows him to sort of look at all European languages as very similar. Okay. And so without getting into the weeds here of how he does it, he just you know says that the way that Hopi requires you to mark time is very different than the way that we think of time as English speakers, for example. We think of time as something that's measured in units, mm-hmm. the same way that uh, we think our grammar requires us to say, if you have a mass noun like butter, you have to say a stick of butter or hay, a bale of hay. And he says, because we have to do that in our grammar uh, with mass nouns, we do that with time. So we think about it in this way that's measurable, moving in a line. And Hopi people, he's saying, are doing it differently. And Worf has been rightly criticized for sort of a thin ethnography of, you know, Hopi people. He spent time with them, but not as much time, perhaps. Mm. But the way that it's always misunderstood is people said, oh, does this mean that Hopi people don't experience time the same way we do? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Everyone experiences time as getting later, right? Yeah. But they're required to do different things in their grammar, which leads them you know, down potentially different paths in terms cool. of their thoughts and behavior. Okay. Very interesting. We've got to spend some time with the Hopi yeah. people. Yeah. I hope we do. Yeah. <laughs> nice and done. I'm sorry to everyone no. listening. Uh, so at one point in the film, uh, she, as a test, Amy Adams says, ask him or ask her the Sanskrit word for war and its translation. Mm-hmm. Did you know the Sanskrit word for war? <laughs> Hell no. Okay. I mean, back again to the, I'm an expert translator. I, right. I wish. I mean, that would be a dream. Yeah. Uh, but I think why they did that is really interesting just to show, I mean, one thing I love about this movie, it's sort of a advertisement for the benefits of multilingualism. And the idea behind this pure wharf hypothesis that isn't it interesting that languages uh, might parse things differently. And so when they have that translation, it shows that there's many different ways to make the word or the concept war. Right. Yeah, I think that was like an overarching like 
anxiety for me watching the movie was just so many ways they, they illustrated so many different ways that language could confuse people oh. you know they're, they're trying to talk they have that screen where they have like 12 different countries or something and then they have like them trying to translate the aliens and then that just in the army camp they couldn't get along you know they always are talking to like Forrest Whitaker and he's always explaining like alright look I gotta take whatever the hell you just told me and go to my general and tell yeah. him and it's like ugh everything is getting you know confusing yeah and that, there's a moment where they don't know if the translation for the word is weapon or if they're meaning it as tool. Right. So yes. That's, a, that's like a big moment where people start to freak out there. He's wanting to take that information immediately. Like we got to get this out. Like, and uh-huh. she's like, calm down. Like <laughs> there's so many different meanings for this word. They could mean it as like a simple, they could just mean it as a tool. It's not a, yeah. like immediately a weapon kind of thing. I mean, we probably run into that all the time and it's like, we don't really talk about it or we don't, it doesn't come up in a way of like, you know, love for example, mm-hmm. is like a word that people, throw in different ways. I'm, I'm watching The Bachelor right now, for example, and, you know, these people don't know each other at all and after, like, two dates, or you know, they're like, I'm I'm falling in love with you. And it's like, well, clearly, love means something different to me, <laughs> yeah. or, you know. Yeah. Uh, the cameras have been rolling for two days. <laughs> I have never been more in love with any person than you right now. <laughs> it's true. It's well, weird. And now that you've watched The Bachelor, do you feel like your conception of love has been reconfigured? Yes. I'm falling in love all the time. There now. you yeah. go. Okay, so Superior Wharf is right, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so they called it nonlinear orthography. 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 Yeah, so what they're trying to do is make a argument that there's a their orthography or alphabet way of writing um, is not one that is tensed, you know, it doesn't have marking for tense or aspect. So Okay. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I'm okay. agreeing with you. Oh, okay. Like, yep. Well, just yeah, so I know you're, what tense is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just so you're agreeing with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. no, part I got. That's okay, a great point. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that the idea is that somehow these signs are unanchored. Uh-huh. And we do have, um, you know, parts of our language that are not tensed. If you say stop, you know, it's not saying necessarily stop now or you stopped or you will stop. Or, stop to me sounds like stop now. Yeah, it does to me too. That's understood, <laughs> but it's not, you know, technically there's right. not a tense oh, okay. marker. Yeah, but I mean, they're really pushing the boundaries of, well, at least what we know about human language is mm-hmm. that, you know, it is, there are in all languages ways of expressing time. Yeah. So they're trying to make an argument about, there's something special about their way of writing that transcends that. That feels like it would be way easier. I feel like when you're learning a language, the hardest part oh. is the tenses. Yeah. You have to change every word, you know. That's what I struggled with in uh, high school Spanish, for sure. The yeah. tenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vocabulary? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Caballo? Horse. There you go. No problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not here. It's not later. It's not in the past. It's just a. It's a horse. It's so a forever it's a horse. horse. Yeah. <laughs> well, when forever. Did you, when was the horse? When was the horse? <laughs> when was the horse working? Was the horse? The, was it? Trabajo, trabajaba, like like. Well, if you're an alien, the uh-huh. body, you don't have to deal with this stuff. No, is it trabajando? Like we mm-hmm. don't know. Maybe it's currently working. Yeah, it's it a workhorse. Is. The horse has always been working, <laughs> and will be working. Yeah. By the way, do you like? Is it important to you? I know you you don't speak a ton of languages, mm-hmm. but I I was uh, doing research for another podcast, and they were saying that it helps brain function and preserving mm-hmm. brain memory to learn different languages. So I don't know. I've just been trying to 
uh, Rosetta Stone or Duolingo or mm-hmm. something, would you recommend people learn Hebrew just because? Oh, absolutely, or anything. I mean, if there's a language that you feel a particular, like if you have a connection to, mm-hmm. you mentioned Hebrew, I don't know if you have a connection to that culturally. Uh, I have a lot of Jews in my family. There you go. <laughs> or maybe you, wanna, maybe you want to travel there, or it's sure. just a language that, I don't know, you want to read some texts and you want to go study the Torah or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it almost doesn't matter what language you study. It's good for your, yeah, it's good for your mm. brain. Like okay. before I was working on um, Kewa, I was studying Yucatec Maya, which is an indigenous language spoken in Mexico. Ooh. And um, I think it really helped me learn Kewa because it kind of loosens all of the joints in your brain. And like you learn think, faster. Yeah, well, you just think, gosh, the verb doesn't have to go there or who, knew, who even knows what a word is? You know, these are languages that have really, <laughs> you build words. So yeah, yeah, I think it's good. I'm not a cognitive linguist or a developmental psychologist, but I can say, yes, it is good. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> it is good. Yeah. Do you know? other languages, Jeremiah? Yeah, I've been taking a uh, Rosetta Stone on Ebonics lately, and I've just been learning a lot of cool hood vernacular lately, oh, which okay. has been really fun. Well, great. Let's like, have a I would say this right podcast now. is lit right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that means it's good. Oh, it's so good. It's fire. <laughs> <laughs> and that also... Uh, oh, positive. Very positive. Positive. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just don't understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of which, let's do a quick game I have. Um, this one is going to be really tough because I thought, oh, maybe you just speak every language known I'm to so man. I'm so sorry. I'm always a disappointment in this respect. <laughs> no, it's our fault for thinking that. No, I think. it's the most common thing that people say you know, when you say I'm a linguist. Oh, how many languages do you speak? And yeah, you can no. just watch their face fall. <laughs> Great. So yeah. you have a, a constant disappointment that, to give yeah, people. Yeah, this is a theme that's running through this so far is my constant <laughs> yeah, disappointment to people. I play, so I play sax and I would get the same look before I learned how to play the Careless Whisper solo. The amount of people that'd be like, hey, do you know Careless Whisper? And I'd be like, uh, no, they'd be like, what? <laughs> What's wrong with then, you? Then, like, what do you know that, like, so I, like, had to learn that because so many people were, like, Carol's Whisper and Baker Street. Those are the two that are, like, please play those. I'm, like, all right. I'm actually upset you didn't bring your saxophone, but let's take a break so I can take some time to forgive you, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. Um, so the game I'm calling Sweet Translation. Sweet Translation. And it's because... Sweet Translation. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> nice. I wish it was an Aerosmith-based game, but unfortunately it's yeah, not. Yeah, can you switch that up so it is real quick? Uh, yeah, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with that. Take a wood even in an Honestly, that's good. He wins already. <laughs> so I'm calling it Sweet Translation because I have, the, I have translation for the word dessert in five different languages. Mm. So there's no chance in hell that I'm going to pronounce these correctly. Maybe you can Maybe I can help. Help? Yeah, that would be great. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll just ask. This is more a game for you. Usually the game is for the guest, and then our, uh, our, our expert will, will school them. But I feel like we have more of a chance going this way. Okay. Does that make sense? No offense to you, Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah, you I'll can take feel free to. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. Okay. Uh, do you know the word for dessert in German? I do not. Jeremiah? Dessert. <laughs> well, what was that? Let me uh, just get them over there. Dessert. <laughs> uh, it's Nachspies. Nachspies. You want to take a stab okay. at that? Nachspies. Yeah, Nachspies. Yes. Nachspies. Yeah, you did well. Oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
Danke. I mean, I don't know. I don't speak German, so I'm sure people's ears are like cringing. <laughs> but you pronounced it according to the orthography. Oh. See, there's our vocabulary. Oh, now we're talking. You're Guten learning. Morgen. Really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Dutch. You know the word for dessert in Dutch? No? No? Nope. Um, <laughs> that sounded nice. Uh, I think it's totje. Totje? Mm-hmm. Okay. According Toche. to the orthography, mm-hmm. I'm right. Unless Judges? Toche. Yep, they yeah, counted it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so if you have a big Dutch of, uh, of conference this weekend. Okay, <laughs> Turkish. Anybody know Turkish? Mm, yep. Is it Turkish or Turkish delight, like from <laughs> Narnia? Oh, yeah. That's my association with that, too. Right? Oh, so <laughs> The good. word for Mr. dessert. Tumnus. I know. It's a uh, tatla. <laughs> Tatla. Tatla. Yeah. Tatla. 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 It's like T-A-T-L and then I, I, I think. I think that might be Tatli. 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 But again, it's only Tatli. as good as their alphabet, right? That's right. And our alphabet, I guess, because right, aren't if we like phonetically writing what they write, or how does that work? Oh gosh, that's complicated. Okay, yeah. Ethan, can I just say yep. that yep. I think you know I can speak uh, with my colleague here that we are both very impressed with how much research went into this podcast. <laughs> I am very impressed. Uh, don't be. <laughs> it's minimal. Okay, Portuguese. You know Portuguese? They mentioned uh, in the film. Portuguese is very cool. Great yeah. sounding yeah, she language. Was teaching a class on language Portuguese. Language of love, she mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yes. See. I also just will say that when it comes to languages I like to hear sung, Portuguese might be my favorite. Well, oh, yeah. really? Bossa Nova. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've got a great it's thing going. It's so nice to hear. I don't need to know anything that you're saying, and I'm just, I'm in, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. So maybe for your comedy album that's coming out, your, your comedy music album, you put it all in Portuguese. Well, we'd have to do a lot of rework. <laughs> I mean, you have. A I could get expert? a. I could get a grad student on it. You know, see, they need credit. Mm-hmm, they do. Think about it. Okay. You could well. have a dissertation about your comedy record. You could be huge in Brazil. Okay. You could be huge among like four people who are you know into studying this. That's kind of our demo. Four people. <laughs> so let's yeah. talk after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, sobre mesa. Sobre mesa. It Sobre seems mesa. like Spanish. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's it's very I'm... close. Okay. Uh, yeah. They're very closely related language that, languages that looks like it means on top of the table. or from Sobre mesa, Sobre that's mesa. right. Yeah, or, on top of the or table. Or like from the table. And that's where I want my dessert. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. If, well, more like right here. That's I ate it to my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More like, because isn't uh, sabroso tasty in mm-hmm. Spanish? So yeah, sobre mesa, so, so tasty, table. Tasty, tasty table. Tasty table. Yeah, the etymology. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, the last one, Croatian. I assume you both know Croatian. Yeah, I just don't want to show off, so I'm not going to say it. Oh, that's really kind of you. <laughs> oh, Croatian. Tuna. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's not close. Repete. Tuna is huh? the answer. You're saying tuna. What? No, 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 <laughs> well, no. For some no people, listen, tuna. It's not that? Repete. It's not that? Okay. Repete. Okay. Repete is, uh, yeah. I'm saying it like an Italian person, but that's what it sounds like. Make it like your own. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Pinocchio's brother, Repete. Yeah. Anyways, guys, the, the point I'm trying to make here is learn languages. Get off your yeah, ass. Yeah. Wake up and, f- not you, you can do whatever you want, but for oh, us, well. we need <laughs> Jeremiah, this is geared 100% towards you. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. Uh, so, the bird in the cage do uh, you guys know why they had that? You know what I'm talking about? Where they're like, mm-hmm. there's like a bird in the cage the whole time they're in the alien craft, the heptapod craft. Mm-hmm. I have a guess. You want to go ahead, though? <sighs> okay. So just from me being a horror film fan, this is just me 
just deducing entirely, but I think that uh, in a lot of things, just as well as like the movie Bird Box, uh, they featured a bird in that. Uh, <laughs> there was uh, <laughs> also dogs in movies. There's animals have a a, a sense of that, uh, like almost like a sixth sense that they can sense when danger or something like bad is about to happen. And I felt like that was like the reasoning behind the bird. I could be completely off, but that, that could was, be part of it. I felt like that was part of it. Yeah, I think that like is they were kind of it. looking at like uh, and also. They also brought it up there for oxygen purposes to see if mm. a bird could just survive because yes. that's probably the main reason. But I'd like to think that, you know, they've got some special innate abilities that we don't have. Yeah, that's why I keep animals around me is to make sure, like, if they're freaking out, I should be freaking out. Yeah, All right, my them. dog's breathing. Hi, right, we're good. <laughs> we're good so far. <laughs> Seems calm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm with you. I think it was probably like canary in the coal mine to yeah. see if yeah. they could breathe. But, you know, maybe it was a comfort animal. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Be both. Most it people use dogs or cats, but maybe yeah. you, need, you need your bird. Uh, yeah, canary in a coal mine, canary in a uh, cage, uh, miner's canary. It's all. I, I didn't know about this phrase until like a year or two ago when a friend uh, told me that I'm his canary in a coal mine, Aww. which I thought was really cool. That's sweet. Um, but anyways, yeah, they've been doing it for centuries, miners, to make sure that uh, you know the atmosphere is safe. So I thought that was really cool. Um, would you ever have a bird, though? I could never imagine having a pet bird. Seems uh, very annoying. Only if I had a condor service animal. That's the only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty tough. <laughs> that's pretty yeah. tough. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, those are my only. I'm a I'm a high stakes guy. So that's, <laughs> I don't. I know. like it. Do you guys have pets? I don't. I'm allergic to oh. many pets, and oh, I live yeah. in a teeny house. So I had a ton of turtles growing up. I don't currently have a turtle. Uh, maybe if I have a house someday, I will get a turtle. And I just said turtle a lot of times, and maybe I'll have a dog someday. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So yeah, we'll keep you guys updated. But no pets. That. I go on the no road pets. too much, so I can't neglect an animal. Can't take a turtle you know? with you in your seacoast? No, man. <laughs> dude, they're actually dude, turtles are freaking high maintenance. They're very. It seems like it go along with you though. You guys match. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing shade with Ethan. I'm just trying to we're make both, it interesting, man. Segways, well, just so we're shade. both getting, you know. Yeah. Our... We'll, we'll all be equally shit on by the end of oh, this podcast, good. I'm sure. Um, okay, I wanted to ask you just like language questions that came up in my sure head. Sure thing. And feel free to chime in. Is there, if people do want to learn a language, where, how should they approach it? Like, what's the easiest language to get into? Because I've heard, you know, you don't want to just like jump into Chinese or Japanese or, or should we? Well, um, again, I just think if you're interested in it, that makes it easier in any case. But what language is going to be easiest for you depends on the language you speak. So back to your Portuguese example, Mm -hmm. you know, that's pretty close to English. You know, if you start looking at all the world's languages in terms of how its grammar works, its sounds. So, you know, maybe you want to start with something that's close to English, like Portuguese or Spanish or German. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, for instance, if you look at, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the whole code talker thing in World War II. Code talker? This is the second most popular thing that people ask you when you're a linguist. Oh. Hey, man, have you seen that that movie Code Talkers or Wind Talkers? (laughs) You're like, yes, I've seen it. Um, And uh, basically during World War II, uh, the U.S. government used Navajo speakers um, to help develop codes that the Germans and the Japanese could not crack, right? Navajo is very different 
than English. And for a while, I was working on Apache, which is very close to Navajo, and it's very hard. So um, if you want to start with an easier language, mm-hmm. uh, European language is okay. probably going to Romance languages. Be, yeah, be easier. Yeah. Or, um, French is another language that sounds very good in music form. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. I like the French language. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll start there. Okay. And we'll, we'll uh, completely translate your record. Have you heard of an artist named Yell? Y-E-L-L-E? Yes, I like Yell. Yeah, me too. Okay, quick shout out to Yell. I know. Very cool French dance music. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so are there, are there like really wild languages? That's another thing that came out for me, like things that are just like written kind of crazy or just, I don't know, the most difficult. Yeah, again, oh, go ahead. I have a question, well, I have a question to go along with that. Like how, like certain... Uh, African languages have clicks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. How is that like written down, or what is like the symbolism for clicks? Because that's such a specific guttural like throat noise. It is. Yeah, yeah. that's a great question. So there, I should have brought this as a visual aid, you know. Yeah. But I'll describe it for your listeners. Okay. Um, there's this thing called the IPA, the International Phonetic Alphabet, and basi- basically a bunch of linguists got together and decided to, you know, alphabets are so varied and so imperfect and, you know, people do their best or some people don't do their best when making them up and you have these systems that don't really represent how the language is spoken. And so they came up with this system for writing all of the world's languages. And clicks, um, I think there are five different clicks. It's been a while since I've looked at my IPA. In grad school, we had to memorize every sound of the world's languages. But yeah, there's a way of writing them. And there's different kinds of clicks according to where they're made in the mouth. There was a first part of that question. Did did they have you, did whenever you were, like even that, that just whenever you're just going over like that chart, did they, did you have a professor that would go through like that would make the noises to be like, this is what it sounds like. And like, this is how you write it. And I'm sure that's kind of difficult to take in. It was difficult. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I'm being re-traumatized right now just talking about it. Uh, thanks. Um, as part of... Uh, on to the... Yeah. Huh. Um, Me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. No, I'm just kidding. That was a dig at, you know, my first year of grad school, which is really stressful. But yeah, you take this class called phonetics. So okay. linguistics is divided into these different sort of subfields. And phonetics has to do with the way that we produce and hear sounds. Um, and generally, they will have you listen to a recording because as English speakers, my my professor was an English speaker. It's harder for us to produce some sounds. I mean, I'm sure you all have experienced this. You know, like the rolled sure. R in Spanish. Yeah. That's one I have trouble with when it's in the middle of a word. I don't know about you. Perro. Yeah. Perro. Oh, yeah. You got it. No problem. Well, but it wasn't in the middle of the word. Like, I have oh, trouble. Oh, oh. I'm not going to do it on air. Okay. Butcher it. I won't make you. Yeah. I've but, already crept on you enough in this podcast. Oh, yeah. Really? I feel <laughs> such anything, a victim. I need to support you oh, no. a little more. <laughs> I, I think you are. It's fine. <laughs> okay, great. Like, for instance, the language that I work on has. Uh, has ejective consonants, uh, uh, t, uh, uh, t, uh, and it has nasal vowels. So the difference between, um, well, this is my favorite example, uh, and I, well, I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, the difference between the word for tooth and the word for penis is uh, we versus we. Whoa. Where versus what? Yeah, I transpose them. Wow. Yeah. So wait, it was like a little more nasally. Yeah, you're saying? nasal. Okay. So it's like a different vowel altogether. But yeah, to get back to the phonetics question, when we had our test, so we would learn all the symbols, and your final was meeting one-on-one with the professor, and he'd be like, okay, bilabial fricative, go. And you'd be like, 
you know, and have <laughs> to produce these sounds in isolation. Many of them are very hard to produce, and it was also just hard to remember. Yeah. So wow. yeah, I'm glad I don't have to. I'm deal so with intrigued that. because so I uh, I'm like I'm a pretty good mimic. Like I do like a lot of impressions and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I should be using that more for learning languages and stuff like that because I have a knack for being mm-hmm. able to hear something and then replicate it pretty quickly. That will serve you well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, although there's also uh, a difficulty with that. I feel like, you know, that's one thing that I can do pretty well. And then people think you're a better speaker than you are. You know, so oh, if you. So then they start speaking. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and, stop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah but it also. will make things easier for you. Interesting. Um, I have also a few little problems with the movie. So and you guys can weigh in and tell me if I'm stupid or not. Number one, I thought it was a little bit strange how the narrator switched like halfway literally like halfway in the movie and it's only like once I think it's the whole time it's like Louise doing like VO not the whole time but she Mm -hmm. has some VO like at the beginning and stuff and then Ian starts to do VO and I was like whoa 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 like I know that it's him and all this is relevant information but why the switch and it was like a little maybe to like show that he's more important like to the story than we thought which is true because he becomes like her husband and stuff but I just thought that was weird and like threw me off for a second um, and then the uh, soldiers, those like guys who ultimately put a bomb in the spacecraft, they're like just in their bunker openly watching this like Alex Jones type radical right wing video mm-hmm. and just like laying there and listening to it and nobody gives a shit. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know, like, I don't know if that's allowed in the military or like, because it seems like a, like a hazard or something, right? I have no idea. When I was watching this and thinking, oh, no, I'm enough to be the expert, I was wishing there could be someone here who is in the military or could talk about that because yeah. talk about secret societies or worlds that we don't have access yeah, to. Yeah, there are some things that uh, – there's uh, two things that, for me, I had small issues with. Uh, the first one was just the C4 scene in general. Okay. Because if the heptapods no time – Okay. Oh, good call. They would have known. They would have known. This is coming. And that it was coming. And also, like, it it just, like, why would they diffuse, why wouldn't they diffuse it before then or something? Right. Like, put up a symbol. Because by that point, aren't they able to read a little bit? There's a bomb (laughs) behind Mm -hmm. you. I mean, I guess you could argue it would be dangerous to to, to misinterpret them saying bomb or something. Uh, or like and, I don't know, danger and, in room. And then yeah. the try that. The other one, which is a kind of a big one, uh, was when she got uh, I don't know what his position is uh, leadership wise. I forget which character. Uh-huh. He uh, she got his phone uh, at the oh, very end. That oh guy yeah. Helped her. And I was like, this is a kind of big hole. Uh, he just like, as left far it. as like storytelling, he left it on a desk yeah. in like the one of the biggest times of crisis, like. That for me, I was like, uh, if I'm gonna get nitpicky, but I, yeah. I'm very good about like, ah, uh, well, you know, he's he's stressed or whatever. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. good about like being like, Let I'll give it the benefit of the doubt to the viewer. But those two things for me, like, I'm like, if I'm being critical, those for me stuck out. Yeah. Well, yeah. you mentioned you're a horror fan. Yeah. Um, you know, now in contemporary horror movies, you really have to pay attention to the phone. Like, how do you get that out of the uh, picture, right? right. Yeah, and right. here it was almost like the reverse. Like, this guy doesn't have a screen code. He's just going to lay it. You know? I know. Oh, also so, true. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. He's like top military yeah, guy. You can just turn on his phone and use there. it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty messed up. So, oh, also in that in that bomb scene, they it's not that they were in there and the bomb was in there. They go back. 
So like they were gonna blow it up when it was empty. And they decide, like, she says, like, oh, wait, I want to ask them one more thing. And I thought that was ridiculous, that moment, because it's like they know they only have a certain amount of time mm-hmm. where the thing opens and closes every day, right? That's, like, part of the theory of the, I don't know. Yeah. So how could she leave and then be like, oh, actually, mm-hmm. let me give me five more minutes. And they're telling her, like, no. Yeah. Can't go back up there, which makes sense. And Ian's like, oh, come on. She yeah. can do it's five minutes, one question. Yeah. And he's okay, fine. Yeah. And they go back up. That's insane to yeah, me. Come on, I'm Hawkeye. Let him do it. Let him do a Hawkeye. Come on, I'm an Avenger. Let her have a you moment know me. up there. Come on. <laughs> All right, Hawkeye, you oh, got it. I'll shoot her up there with my bow if you don't send her back up there. Come on. It takes five minutes to even get up there. Yeah. That's crazy. There was some world building slippage. Yeah. For sure. That was that that seemed to me like really, I don't know, a little cuz the whole movie is so good. Mm-hmm. I really really enjoy the film and yeah, there's like great. these little things that I thought were super silly. Okay, so here's one and this is a big one for me. Okay. The aliens A don't reveal that they can write language until she like unlocks it for them. Cuz yeah. there's 12 of them throughout the world. None of them are communicating like this, and they only do it when she like writes a thing and brings it to their face and they're like, "Oh, I know. Might as well put well, it." Well, glad you asked. Yeah, now that you mention it, we can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was pretty uh frustrating and then also thinking about how they only waited till like the last moment to give the the technology right the the mm-hmm. tool the weapon they're talking about the whole time it's only until she like waits until like the last second to ask hey wh- what's the whole deal here what's the technology you've been talking about well why are you yeah. here and then it's like oh all right we'll give it to you because everything's about to be over yeah it's like why not start with that yeah give everybody the the answer I think there's a little like hero scientist thing in mm-hmm. here that rankled a little bit for me. I mean, the good thing is that it gets to be a female scientist most of the time. There is this part where um, the Ian is that his name? Yep, Ian? Ian character jumps in and he's like, you know, he's he not a yeah. And he's like, well, what about the open space? Let's plot it, you yeah. know. And so there was a little bit of dude to the rescue, you know, genius but man, but he was not wrong, so much. No. I felt yes. like he was wrong. Yeah, because he well, needed. It was like one of twelve, and it was like, mm-hmm. oh, we don't actually need the other pieces, right? It was, yeah. It turned out? I'd have to review. It was like that, you know? Yeah. So it was just like, what would we have done without him? But, right. I mean, again, I guess for the narrative structure. But, yeah, she was the one linguist where all of this was resting on her. They would have had, like, you know, silos filled with linguists. Yeah, they, they each had a team. I remember yeah. that was mentioned. But it was also mentioned, like, without her, we're all, mm. like, everybody, whoever's second place is, like, way underneath. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, again, I do like the heroic uh, Amy Adams. Like it's I said, badass. it made us look like badasses. Yeah. So. I, I think you're a badass. <laughs> well, thank you. I think you are, too. Arrival aside. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, you're wrong about that, but that's pretty <laughs> cool. Um, okay, uh, the Kuleshov effect. I don't know if I'm saying that right. You know what this is? No. Uh, you know what this is? Kuleshov. I'm so glad you stepped in to correct him with that. It's embarrassing. That's how you say it. (laughs) You know what? Uh, I want you to actually just read the meaning in your Russian accent because it'll be more fun. (laughs) Kuleshov effect. A film editing effect demonstrated by Soviet filmmaker Lev Kuleshov in the 1910s and 1920s. It is a mental phenomenon by which viewers derive more meaning from the interaction of two sequential shots than from a single shot in isolation. Right. So in the beginning of the film, she is, uh, we see the flashbacks, what we think are flashbacks, but flash forwards, I should say. And we see her daughter uh, getting this disease and dying. And then we see her walking into her classroom and we think like, oh, she's grieving. And she, you know, and that is 
the Kuleshov effect. That's us placing meaning because of the sequence of shots mm-hmm. instead of what would be just her walking in because these things haven't happened yet. And so we would have just seen that as like a normal, oh, she's just walking into work and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's just a really cool effect that happens because we we place meaning onto it. I hadn't noticed that. That's really that's really interesting, especially if the movie is trying to make a point about time. It's sort of performing its own argument, like the medium is the message. You know, yes. these things don't necessarily go in order. Right. Love it. One thing that I was just curious about in general about the, the film is, are they saying, though, be, that the way that time works, it's only forward, though, or lateral? Like, she couldn't go back? Hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Because what it made me think about, like, if she figured out this big thing with time, why couldn't she go the other way with it where she might have been able to catch her daughter's illness a little bit sooner or something? That was something that... She oh, she yeah. did say at one point that it's unstoppable. Oh, There's okay. nothing that they okay. could do with the disease, which I think is important. But but I don't remember any flashbacks. I don't remember anything that came to be... Yeah, it's all... Yeah, like, like looking of at her, like her future baby, and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all that stuff. Which, by the way, thank God that Chinese general told her exactly right? what she needed to say. That stressed me out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was went, like, "Say it, say it to her." <laughs> it's my number. Here's my phone number. This is what you dialed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, thought that was clutch. Um, okay, so they also mention, and and then we'll we'll wrap this up. Uh, the non-zero sum game. Uh, do you guys had you guys heard about that? You know what that means? Zero sum. Yes. Yeah, just the idea that um, in a competition or di- when you're dividing resources, that only one person can win. And so uh-huh. you see that used a lot when people are talking. Well, at least in my profession, people uh, talk about it in terms of other people's academic success oh. to criticize them. Oh, so and so thinks that this is a zero sum game where only one person can be the fancy professor or right. the well received academic. But oh. no, actually, we can all. This yes. isn't a zero sum game. There's a lot of yeah. standards. comedians like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, think the, I think they're probably very similar subcultures. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Dr. Aaron Devonport, people can buy your book? Yeah. On Amazon? Fixing the books. Fixing the is books? Is the name of the book. Is the name of the book. <laughs> Don't oh. fix her book. It's fine. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, secrecy, literacy, and perfectibility in indigenous New Mexico. Yes. Thank Check you so out. much. Yeah, of course. And they can take your class? Yeah. Come to UCLA. Take an anthropology class. Great. Okay. Well, awesome. Jeremiah, you have yeah. your podcast, of course, Jeremiah Wonders. Yeah, Jeremiah Wonders. Follow me on social media at Jeremiah Standup across the board. Uh, I'm going to be in Kansas City headlining uh, March 14th through 16th. Uh, I get tickets at JeremiahWatkins.com. And then I have a new album dropping soon, uh, my debut comedy album with uh, my boy Patty Reagan, Reagan Watkins. And that should be hopefully out around March. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you guys for joining us. And uh, I'll see you for Arrival 2. Can't wait. Uh, the Arrival has, I don't know. What's <laughs> the Arrival has landed. The Arrival. Son of Arrival. The Arrival has landed. The Arrival has landed. All right. Thank you guys so much. See you next time. Bye. Thank you. 
Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our social media producers are Kate Baker and E.J. Gullett. And the extraterrestrial producer is Brett Kushner. I must have used that one before. Anyways, follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show. That's at Bad Science Show for exclusive photographic and video content. Feel free to write us an email, badscienceatseeker.com. Let us know what films you want us to do or if I've missed anything that you think is interesting or important. And tune in next week. We're going to be talking about Finding Dory. So if you haven't seen it, go ahead and watch it. It's fantastic. See you then.